Hey folks, thanks for checking out another edition of the podcast here. And if you're a Tennessee basketball fan, then you're really going to like this one. Burt Bertelkamp has been associated with Tennessee basketball all his life. His dad played at UT in the early 1950s, and Burt followed suit in the late 70s. He's a Bearden High graduate, and for the past 20 years, he's been Bob Kessling's color analyst on the Vol Network. When he's not calling Tennessee games, he's running his family's successful automation business here in East Tennessee and being a generally all-around awesome guy. Here's my conversation with Burt Bertelkamp. All right, we're here with Burt Bertelkamp. Burt, thanks a lot for taking time to do this. I really appreciate it. Happy to do it, Russell. All right, well, I want to start at the beginning. Obviously, it's 20 years now that you've been doing the UT games on the Vol Network with Bob, and it doesn't seem that long, but I want to talk a little bit about that. But first, sort of your backstory. You are Knoxville through and through, born and raised? Right. I was born in Knoxville and uh, grew up here, went to Bearden Elementary, Bearden Middle, and Bearden High School, and... uh, lived briefly in Nashville when I got out of school for about eight years but other than that uh from the time I was probably 22 till I was you know 29 or something other than those seven years or eight years I've been in Knoxville the whole time and your dad played at Tennessee in the early 50s he did he played he's from Louisville Kentucky and came down here on a basketball scholarship and played I think his last year was 52 and he uh was a captain and had a good had a good career then just stayed in Knoxville buried my mother was from Loudoun County and so they they got married at when they got out of college and just stayed in Knoxville so did you have uh, family in Louisville the Kentucky area yeah. growing up and <laughs> yeah. go visit them yeah we had family my father's side of the family and he was an only child so I don't have a lot of cousins but I have a few but my grandparents uh I spent a lot of time in Louisville growing up going up during the summer mostly we'd always go up on Thanksgiving and huge basketball uh, city, both for Louisville, but probably more UK people I was around than, than Louisville people, but still two great programs right there in Kentucky. And I've always, uh, I've always admired them, but I've always also wanted to beat them, especially Kentucky. Well, had some great had, games through the years. Yeah, you had some success against them, uh, as as I was reading earlier today. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. You, you you grew up around basketball. I mean, was was that just were you you were born into it? Honestly, I suppose when your dad played for UT. Well, I, I played all sports growing up: uh, baseball, football, and basketball. And then I got in middle school, and it, it was kind of obvious basketball was my best sport. And Dad didn't really push me one way or the other. He just exposed me to all sports. I played tennis and golf and and and, and those type things but uh and had a great childhood but uh basketball became my passion when I was about seventh grade and I, I think I quit the other sports at that point and focused on basketball 100 percent so during that time you went to Bearden High School and played on on some great teams as as I understand it Elston Turner was at Austin East and yeah. you guys sort of had a a rivalry going between Bearden and AE back then well, I don't know if they'd call it a rivalry because we only beat them one time. We beat them one time. We played them in the Coliseum my senior year, and we upset them. But they were always the best team in town, and we gave them some great games, and we'd typically play them twice during the season, and then we'd play them two more times, at least one more time, but usually two more times in the postseason. Uh-huh. So we played them three or four times a year. And like I said, we only beat them one time, but we had some tremendous games, and they had a great program at Austin East. And, of course, Elson was a, was a great player, and he got better and better and had a great career at Ole Miss, and then he played in the NBA for a while. But he was, he was certainly a fine player, and I wish he'd come to Tennessee. But he ended up at Ole Miss, and so we had some big, some big games against Ole Miss. So I played against Elson for a long time. Do you know the story there? Did uh, Tennessee recruit him? Was it not like they not not as hard as they should have? I don't know a lot of the detail about it, but I, I think uh, Tennessee at the time we had wing players, uh, and we and we had several of them that would have been playing the same position Elston played. And would he have played with Ernie and Bernie? Was no, that the he, same, no, he was young. He was a year younger okay. than me. He was a year behind me, so he would have missed Ernie and, and Bernard. But he would have been in there, you know, a year behind me. So when I was a when I was a sophomore, he'd have been a freshman. But I think ten, it was it was it was the need, and we had uh, Gary Carter, and we had Terry Crosby, we had some wing players, and uh, I, I think uh, uh, he probably made a good decision to go to Ole Miss because he stepped right in, 
and got to play a lot at start as a freshman and had a great four-year yeah. career down there and he's one of their all-time greats i think he's he's still in the nba as a as an he's assistant a, he's an so, assistant coach yeah. yeah uh so you had scholarship offers from from duke north carolina clemson wake forest the sort of you know the creme de la creme of the the acc did you seriously entertain those offers or i, I did i did yeah. i was not sure that i wanted to go to tennessee mainly because of the pressure of being a local a local person and and i and i always admired tennessee so they were certainly on my list but i my number one growing up i really loved north carolina i just liked and i went over to camp uh dean smith's camp as a kid a couple of two or three years i liked how they played of course it's a high profile program uh but a lot of the acc schools recruited me the sec schools a few of them did but I think they mostly they felt like I was going to Tennessee, so they didn't waste their time. Vanderbilt recruited me a little bit, but um, Duke was a, Duke probably recruited me harder than anybody. And Duke's program was not was down at the time. And this is kind of this a funny, pre-coach K. Yeah, pre-coach K. They had a guy named Bill Foster, okay. who was a tremendous coach. And there was a and and they recruited me hard. They came to just about every one of my games. My most of my junior year and all my senior year but I just didn't think at the time the ACC was a lot different there was only I think eight or nine teams in the league and Duke was down at, at the bottom okay and I thought there are they ever going to be able to compete <laughs> because of the the academic yeah. requirements because it was harder yeah. harder for them to get players and I was I was obviously wrong but that's uh, that's the pro- I probably could have played quicker at Duke, but uh, they had a guy named Mike Jaminski, who was my age, and he'd already committed. And in the next year, they got a, a player named Gene Banks out of Philadelphia, who was a tremendous high school player. Both those guys were at the top, and uh, and I remember t- <laughs> the coaches, the Duke coaches. I remember telling them that I just don't think you can be in the NCAA tournament because you have to win the ACC. Back then, yeah. they didn't take sixty-four yeah. teams; they took thirty-two, and you had to win your league. And uh, and I said, I just don't see. You got Maryland, you got North Carolina, you got North Carolina State. You got Wake Forest. You got all these teams that you got to get better than. And I, I just, you know, I'm sorry because they pushed me for a reason. Well, fast forward two years. At the end of my sophomore year, I'm sitting at home with my father watching the Final Four, the final game, and who's playing? Duke and oh, Kentucky. Wow. <laughs> and, that, and there was a guy playing for Duke that was that ended up being the guy they, that, that I would have played that same position. It would have been your position, position yeah. It, it might have been mine, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's obvious that we played the same spot. Dad goes. That was a that was a heck of a decision you made. You really thought that through. Here they are. Here they are in the final yeah. game, and Kentucky beat them. But still, Duke Duke did a great job, and it, it it would have been fun to go there. But North Carolina is really where I wanted to go, and they offered me a scholarship. But they had a they were loaded. They are absolutely loaded. And Dean Smith was the coach, and he's the reason I liked him so much. But he basically sat me down and said. You're 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 kind of an in between player because I was six three and I was skinny, and he said you're not you're not quick enough to be our point guard and you're not big enough to be a two guard in our system. Uh-huh. But I can see you playing, contributing as a freshman, a sophomore, maybe having a chance to start as a junior. But you're going to probably get to back up two positions and play a lot, which was appealing to me. But I really want to start. And plus, I knew North Carolina would be signing the cream of the crop every year because they've been a top program, top five program all the years. So it just worked out, and, and I admired Coach Mears and Coach Aberdeen. And so I made the decision to go to UT, and it worked out well. So and at the time, you know, Tennessee is 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 playing good where Ernie and Bernie had arrived then. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. so you knew what kind of team you'd be joining there too. I knew exactly, yeah, and I knew I knew the spot. I mean, Tennessee had, was very upfront and straightforward with me. And I was going to back up Mike Jackson, who played who played a wing position. He was a senior. Ernie was a senior. Bernard was a junior. And then we had uh, Johnny Darden was a point guard, and he was just a, he was just a year ahead of me. And then Terry Crosby, and then Reggie Johnson. Reggie was my age; he was a freshman. We were freshmen together, so I got to back up two positions my freshman year. And then all those guys left, uh, and I and I moved right into that uh, wing spot Mike Jackson had. So I was able to start for three years, and 
and uh, it was it was fun. Then Coach DeVoe came. Uh, I, at the end of my sophomore year, Coach Mears had been sick both back-to-back years and really didn't coach the team, and he had to retire. So Don DeVoe came, and he coached. He was the head coach my junior and senior year, and uh, he played a different system. I ended up playing point guard a lot, and which really wasn't my position, but – you know, I play wherever they put me. And so we had some good teams. We we went to the NCAA uh, both of those years with Coach DeVoe and one year with uh, my freshman year. We didn't go my sophomore year. So three out of four years we went. And like I said earlier, that was before they took all the teams they take now. So you had to have a good team to get in. And back in those days, Tennessee basketball is a happening. It's Stokely Athletic Center. You yep. got the unis- guy on the unicycle and everything. I, I missed this by a couple of years, but I've, I've heard the stories and uh, certainly know about the, the Ernie and Bernie show. What, did you get a chance to know Coach Mears? Because you, you oh, sound yeah. like you come in on the, you know, as, as he was headed out. Oh, yeah. I, I knew him. I knew him. That my father and him were friends. Okay. And we were – our families knew each other. And we, we – I grew up pretty close to where his, his family grew up. And I knew he had three sons, and I, I knew all of them. They weren't basketball players, but I knew them. And I, and I knew Coach Mears. And I always went to Coach Mears' uh, summer camps. He had a day camp at Webb School. And I went to it from, gosh, it was about far back as I can remember. Every summer I'd go for a couple of sessions. And uh, so I knew, him, I knew him really well. And I knew he was a great coach. It was just unfortunate, you know, he got sick. And, and the, the illness that he had, he had depression. And I, don't, I guess that's what you would call it. But they didn't have medicine like they have now. Or he'd be a Hall of Fame coach. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a Hall of Fame coach, in my opinion. But he was 51 years old when he had to retire. And he wow. had 300-and-something wins. So if he'd have coached till he was 50, I mean, excuse me, till he was 60 or 65, uh, you know, he'd be a Hall of Fame coach. And it was just, it's just a shame that he was a victim of that illness. No doubt. And what was it about Coach Mears from a basketball standpoint that made him so effective? He was a great offensive coach, and he, he really focused on getting the ball to the people in certain spots on the floor. He was a strategist, and we had uh, – you know, we, we, we ran up and down the court more towards the end when, uh, you know, with Ernie and Bernard and those guys, they were much more athletic probably than some of his earlier teams. But, but what I remember is they were just precise in everything they did, the attention to detail – and the uh, the repetition and the routine and the strategy and they would beat teams that that on paper they shouldn't beat because of because of coaching and then coach Aberdeen was his assistant for all those years his his number one assistant and he kind of handled the defense so he was a he was and frankly my first two years we just outscored everybody because we had such a high powered team but that's back before the shot clock and back before the three point line or there's no telling how many points we would have scored. But, um, but that was what I remember about Coach Mears growing up as I, as I got serious about the game. I, I certainly went to, went to the games as our family went, you know, just about every game, not road games, but home games over in Stokely. So I, I kind of grew up around it. And, um, and it was a lot of fun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Tennessee basketball, Coach Mears put him on the map. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he did. Uh, you know the big orange country and a lot of the things that are still said today were things that sure. he that he brought to the program you know it's interesting you talk about coach Mears and you know if they had understood his issues better at the time perhaps he would have been able to coach much longer Bernard King there's uh, a lot of people will say that you know if he hadn't had the knee injuries which of course they can treat better now right. than they could back then he might have been considered one of the, you know the on the Mount Rushmore of yeah. greatest basketball players of all time. You got to see him before the injuries. What was it like to play on a daily basis with Bernard King? Phenomenal player. In my opinion, without without question, the best player that's ever played in the SEC. And that's saying wow. a lot when you got Pete Maravich yeah. and you got Shaq and you got Dominique Wilkins, you got Charles Barkley, you got a lot of great players. And But Bernard dominated the SEC, and, and he averaged mid-20s, 25 to 26, and this is over three years, and he averaged 13, 14 rebounds. He shot in the 60s, mid-60s, field goal percentage. He was just a phenomenal player and quick 
and just born to play basketball, just knew how to play and made everybody around him better. He was a great passer just a tre- and a tremendous competitor. I mean, and Ernie was as well. Uh, I really feel blessed. I played with those guys one year, but I learned a lot uh, being around them. And it was, it was high pressure, I'll tell you that, because there was a lot of – we were supposed to win. And, and we did. We ended up winning the SEC – but we did. We lost the first round of the tournament, so that the year was always perceived to be a failure. Because, I mean, if you look back and people talk, ask me all the time, who's the best Tennessee team you've ever been around? And we've had some t- tremendous teams. You know, there was a lot of talent here back when Jerry Green was the coach. Mm-hmm. Of course, Coach Barnes has had these great teams the last couple of years. And and though, and I, I'm not going to say one team is better than another, but but I, what I will say is the team that when I was a freshman, had three first-round draft choices on it. Ernie, Bernard, and Reggie Johnson, NBA players. Yeah. that played for a long time in the NBA. Well, Tennessee hadn't had that until this year. We had one first-round or late first-round, Grant mm-hmm. and Admiral and Jordan Bone went in the second round. So, that, that you know, that's, that's great. But our starting five was off the charts good. And we should have advanced. We just got upset by Syracuse in the first round of the, of the tournament, which was, was a huge disappointment. When you talk about pressure, this is in the days before social media, sports center, talk radio, all that stuff. How how did that pressure manifest itself? Was it was it just tougher for you being a Knoxville guy? And and you know, I'm sure that you you heard from sources that maybe your teammates from New York City didn't hear from. Well, I I think the pressure was pretty much self imposed. And you're right, we didn't have all the the scrutiny that we have now. I mean, there was people. People would go to the games and people would read the papers. Uh-huh. That's pretty much yeah. it. And there was a, we, they had the SEC game of the week, so there we probably have uh, I don't know a handful of games on TV each year, and, and and we were on national TV a couple of times. But there was not near the scrutiny. I think it was just the pressure of um, of, of being in your hometown and people you know trying to live up to expectations and certain people thinking well you shouldn't even be on the team you know you're not good enough and this and that but I, once I started playing I got past that that was more of my thinking when I was in high school do I want to play here in my hometown and but then it ended up being a good thing because I had a lot of people my parents could come to all the games my friends could most of my friends went to UT so I maintained a lot of those relationships so you finish pretty highly as a three-year starter and I, I think you're still up there on the the assists list all time I mean was uh professional basketball be it NBA or otherwise was that something that was a consideration for you no no that really wasn't I, I could have played overseas and they had leagues over there. Okay. Uh, and I got asked to come try to some tryouts, and and I can't even remember the countries. But um, I, NBA was not in the cards for me. I, I wasn't good enough. But I could have played, and I, and frankly, I was ready to get on with my life. And and I had an opportunity to go to work in my father's business, and so I, I was really ready for the next chapter. I mean, I love playing, and it was it was a shock that I underestimated it when all of a sudden it's over and you know you don't you don't have the because it's a year round it's a job when you're playing in college it's your it's identity since high school yeah your identity everything's tied to it Uh you know and and it should have been tied mine should have been tied more toward academics but you know I went to school to be eligible to play basketball I mean basketball was number one for me up until I finished playing at UT then all of a sudden you gotta you gotta refocus and so that that was that was an adjustment so and we're recording this podcast and uh you've, you've got the uh, very nice facility here and i get is this considered west knoxville maybe northwest knoxville a little bit well uh, it's probably it's probably west i mean we're off middlebrook yeah. um and it, it, it's a bit it's our business and i've been with my father he started the company and i've been with him since 80 82 okay I, and like i said i lived in nashville and worked as a sales a salesman uh, for him, uh, covering West Tennessee, he basically said, "We don't have any business in West Tennessee, so you can't screw anything up. <laughs> Go down there, take a bunch of catalogs, and take a bunch of." And, and he gave me a car and said, "Go knock on doors and see if you like this business." And we we sell factory automation equipment. We're a distributor, and so we call on manufacturing plants. Whether you're making car parts or electronic parts or food, or you know any any kind of consumer product any any kind of manufacturing plant is a potential customer for us so okay. we call on 
companies throughout the Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. So we're a southeastern company. What did you learn about yourself uh, as a salesman going door-to-door back in the day? Well, it's kind of interesting. And in, in being around sports, I think it was a great training, uh, having success and having a defeat and having to be a team player and having to be on time and having to be disciplined and being in shape and being a, and to compete, all that worked well. Not knowing the products, which I didn't really know them very uh-huh. well starting out, but I had, uh, I had the desire to do it, but I, but I also wasn't scared because I'd been exposed to so many things. And I'd, you know, I'd met so many people and I'd traveled so much, both with my family and through basketball, that I wasn't scared to go in and introduce myself to somebody. And, uh, and I would just be honest and say, I, really, I, I represent a great company. We can do a lot of things for you. I'm not real sure what they are, but but I'm pretty sure we can help you. And, and, and people kind of got a kick out of that. I was just being honest. But one of the benefits of going to Tennessee really showed up in, in business because I was out in West Tennessee where I didn't even think about them being Vol fans. But, but all these people listen to the games on the radio, okay. listen to John Ward. And you've heard, you know, John Ward, the, the, sure. the legendary Absolutely. broadcaster who, who Bob uh, took his place when he retired. But people's at Bertle Camp, and then having an unusual that's a, name, yeah, they're like, sticks in people's minds. Yeah, yeah, are you the Bertle Camp that played basketball? Yeah, I am. Oh, you know, and it, it would amaze me how many people in West Tennessee, really the whole state, follow UT sports. You know, I guess I was naive about it, but even back then, uh, people listen to the games and they watch the replays. They, they'd have the replay on TV, uh-huh. and I don't know if it was throughout the state, but a lot of places did. Uh, and they, it'd come on at like 10 or 11 o'clock after the game. And so people would watch those replays. But uh, it was it was certainly playing at Tennessee has help, helped me business-wise. So your dad didn't just hand you the keys to the kingdom. He made <laughs> you get out there and beat the bushes for, for customers and uh, yeah. sort of climb the ranks. What 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 is your role in the company now? Or? Well, I run the company now. Uh-huh. I'm the president. And dad, dad is uh, – he turned 88 uh, October 5th. And uh, he's a he's an awesome father. I tell people that when 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 the good Lord was handing out dads, I was at the front. I was right up front. I got a great dad. But we've worked together all these years, and he he still uh, he still comes into the office, and he's still he's not real active with it. He's got a couple of customers that he still calls on. Uh, he he can be as active as he wants to be. But um, but I I'm I've been the president now for quite a while, and. Uh, you know we've 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 got a good business and it's growing and we've got a lot of we we call on a lot of great people throughout the southeast so it's it's a lot of fun it's it's competitive and it's a lot like sports you know each month we tally up the sales and then you start over clean slate do it again so you you know you keep score and uh there's a lot of need for what we do. So uh, you're, and your name's on the building. Is It's not uh, something that I guess you just retire from. Are you, are you going to be in here running the show when you're in your 80s as well? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I've got a son that might be interested. He's, okay. he's 19. His name's Hank. and named after my father. But uh, I don't know what he if he's going to want to be involved or not. And uh, But I have no plans to retire. I, I enjoy it. But um, – I'm probably not going to be down here at 88 like that. I hope I'm vertical at yeah. 88. <laughs> do, do you still play uh, basketball or you know, just shoot around any? Or, well, yeah. I, I did with my son, and then he graduated from high school, and he's he's done playing. I mean, he plays pickup and what have you. But I played around with him uh, up until he was probably 10th grader. Then he then he didn't really play with me much. He played with his buddies. But I, I quit playing – years ago because it I, it was just too easy to get injured and you play against guys that want to <laughs> oh Bernal camp he played at tennessee yeah. let's see if he can handle my crossover here huh? yeah let's get after that guy he looks like a pretty slow guy oh he played at tennessee <laughs> then they want to take yeah. advantage of him but i you know i played pickup paul but it, i hadn't played in years other than just shooting around in the yard and and hanging out with my son yeah any hobbies now to you know kind of keep you i mean i know you run the the company probably not a ton of downtime but well i, I play a little golf not okay. as much as i plan to play i play some but, uh, you know, I, I hang out with my family. I've been blessed. I've got two, a great wife, Sheila, and I've got two daughters. Brownie is 26. Lily is 22. 
Lily's a junior at UT. Okay. Brownie graduated several years ago, and she's working with our business now. But she's a, she's a, in a master's program at uh, at LMU, so she's she doesn't really want to work here long term. But once she gets through her schooling, she'll she'll do something else. And and uh, they live right. We all live real close by, so I'm able to see them a lot, and that's that's really a blessing. And for my wife and I to get to, and you know, we're hoping she's Brownie's engaged, and of course we're. We're looking forward to having grandkids at some point down yeah, the road. All right. Well, I, I asked you about your hobbies. Uh, of course, you've got probably the coolest hobby of all time, being yeah. the, the Tennessee uh, basketball color analyst. How did the the job with the Vol Network come about? Obviously, John Ward retires. And, um, boy, you know, growing up in East Tennessee, listening to John Ward do games, everybody talks about football, and football was so good back then. And at, at least for me, I came of age following Tennessee basketball when there really wasn't much reason to follow it. Um, but listening to John Ward do a basketball game, oh, yeah, he's just fantastic. He he was really he was really good, and he did he did he had a partner Bill Anderson in football mm-hmm. all through the years. But he went solo in hoops. Yeah, he went solo a lot of the time. He had he had a couple of people off and on. Yeah, A.W. Uh, Davis, a. w. Davis yeah. helped him, and then one year Doug Ashworth, who who played and a friend of mine, he he did it I think one year with him. But he pretty much did basketball solo. Then when he retired. Uh, it was. I'm not sure who was in the running for the job, but I think Bob was pretty much the lead guy from day mm-hmm. one. And Coach Dickey wanted Bob, and and Bob was a perfect choice, being the the sports anchor at Channel 10. But he'd also done so many games with Jefferson Pilot and and uh, you know all these other leagues. It's all changed now, but he was traveling around doing a lot of TV games and, and do he do the SEC tournament and different things. So he had a lot of experience both football and basketball. But when he got the job, he wanted a partner for football and for basketball. Tim Priest, who you, everybody knows Tim, Tim's sure. his partner in football and has been from day one when Bob got the job. And then he picked me for, for basketball. And Bob and I knew each other. We didn't overlap. He was out of school before I was there. But we knew each other a little bit. And then they used to have years ago – They'd ha- well, they still do, but the games before the SEC started, but they'd have TV games. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like a, the Big South. I can't even remember what it was called. It was one of some network. Um, Sports South, I think is what it was called. Okay. But anyway, yeah. they'd have games on TV prior to the conference. Sure. And Bob would do those games. I mean, John Ward's still the radio guy. So Bob would do those games, and we'd do four or five in November and December. And then the SEC would start, and we wouldn't do them anymore. But that, and I really didn't have any training. I, I would sit there, and Bob would do the play-by-play, and then I'd comment on it. But we we kind of clicked, and and I enjoyed doing it. Uh, but then when he got the job uh, to be the voice of the Vols, he he asked me to do it, and if, I couldn't say no. I said this is too cool of an opportunity, but I'm thinking I'll do it a year or two. Because <laughs> I, I had, well, well my yeah. son wasn't even born yet, and I had two young daughters. And it, you know, there's a lot of travel it required, and plus going to all the home games. So, you, you know, there's 35 or 40 it's games a big commitment, at, the yeah. end of the day, at the end of the day. So, uh, I did it that first year and did it the second year. And then every year we'd reevaluate. I'd ask my family, you know, do you want me to do this or not? If you don't want me to, and my wife was super unselfish and said, you know, you it makes you happy to do it, and you enjoy doing it. Keep doing it, as far as I'm concerned. And the kids felt the same way; they wanted me to do it, mm-hmm. so I did. And I've uh, and and I I think the same thing. What the statement you made about the greatest hobby? I think it's 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 been a blast, and I love I love the Vol Network guys, uh, Glenn Thaxton, Steve Early, Brandon Parks, great guys, and then Kessling. He he's just a super guy, and he's professional, and. Uh, you know he does. He care. He he's the, he's the heavy lifter in the group. I just comment on the action, and it, it's fun. And of course, it's great fun when your team's good. What is your preparation like for for basketball? And imagine uh, you're probably not as in depth as Kessling right. is, but uh, I'd also imagine you probably don't just show up. Uh, oh, we playing Ole Miss tonight? All right, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I obviously know who we're going to play. Uh huh. And prior to the SEC starting, I'm usually unfamiliar with with the with the non-conference teams. So I'll I'll study up a little bit on them, and you know, with the internet, you can get any information you want. But I primarily look at the stat sheet and find out who's doing what and who takes the, who who 
who plays the most minutes and that kind of thing and and figure out that and uh and I hope and pray they have their names on the back of the jerseys so I can <laughs> read them and I don't have to memorize all the names but most of them do but when it comes to the SEC I uh you know I, it's just not a tremendous amount of preparation because I'm really the, my job is to comment on what happens so I, you know, and I know enough about the you players. know who the key players are just by looking at I them. I know, and, them. Yeah. And, and so I went to my first Tennessee practice earlier this week to see the new guys. Okay, and and they all look good, by the way. Yeah. But that's kind of what I'll do with. Say we play Kentucky. Well, who are the new guys? I know who's coming back. Who are the new guys, and how yeah. they how are they playing so far? It's new guys every year for Kentucky. Kentucky so. <laughs> reloads. That's yeah. got a whole new team. But uh, but that's the way it is with the SEC. I'm pretty familiar with with most of the coaches and most of the players. And you famously wear your heart on your sleeve during uh, the broadcast. Was was that something that he, you know you you tried to muffle at first? Did they ever tell you, hey, you know, we want you to be impartial, or did they kind of know what they were getting when they hired a former player? <laughs> I don't think they had any idea what they were getting because I didn't really know either. I didn't know, uh, and again, I didn't have any training. It's here's the headset, you know, yeah. and here's what's here's what we don't want you to do. But basically, uh, I was told, and I've told this story a number of times. But Edwin Huster was the was the GM mm-hmm. of the Vol Network back when it, he's the one who hired me. And unfortunately, Edwin passed away a couple of years after he hired me. So he's been gone for a while, but he's a great guy. Steve Early worked for him, and Glenn worked for them. That was the Vol Network, and then Kessling. So I went to lunch with all those guys. Edwin's the he's in charge, and he basically said, "Bert, uh, we want to hire you to do this. There's three things you can't do: you can't referee the game, you can't be a homer and be all Tennessee, and you can't coach the game." In other words, you can't undermine our coach. Uh-huh. Second guess our coach. And I sat there, and I knew Edwin, so it wasn't like I didn't know him. I said, well, Edwin, one of those three things I agree with. The other two, you're way off base. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, well, it's the Vol Network. You don't think people that are listening want to hear a partial person? Yeah. I mean, they, they don't want to hear a neutral person. I'm an ex-Vol. They want to hear positive stuff about the you know about Tennessee and, and he goes well I guess that's right and I said and I'm surely going to criticize the referees I mean everybody wants to know when the refs make a bad call I'll be, oh, yeah. I'll be fair but you know I'm not going to lay off the refs I'm going to say what's really happening he goes okay he grumbled a little bit and he said well, and I said but so you're, you're right about coaching the team yeah. under no circumstances should you should you second guess the coach and I haven't you know, I haven't really had a reason to do that. We've had good coaches that know a lot more about it than I do. So, uh, but but that's kind of how it got started. And the enthusiasm just comes from loving the game and being close to the action and then getting to be friends and not close friends, but getting having relationships with the coaches and the players. And we've had a lot of great coaches and a lot of great players come and go over these 20 years no doubt uh, you know you had some on the job training you mentioned they just kind of just handed you the headset and turned you loose Do, have you had any uh, memorable screw-ups or mistakes that you wish you had a do-over on oh i've had i haven't one time i, I remember they were doing the streaming these games uh-huh. when they first started doing that uh, where you could watch it on your computer and and, and but I didn't know that there wasn't commercials. So we were sitting yeah, there talking. Yeah, live mic during the, during yeah, the live breaks. Mic. Oh, wow. <laughs> so so I, one of our salesmen who went to UT lived in Greenville, South Carolina. So he calls me the next day after one of our games. And he goes, Bird, I was, I was listening to you guys on the computer. And he goes, do you, you realize your mic's live when they're doing the commercials on the Vol Network? We were everybody that's doing this streaming can listen to what you guys are saying. Oh wow! And I'm like, oh you, man, did I nobody, say nobody told you that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that was really when that they first started doing that. Okay, you know, and and I don't even know if streaming's the right word, but when you could when you could get on the computer and listen, sure. And uh, and of course, he works for us. And I said, well, did I, did I say anything off color? He goes, well, <laughs> you're borderline. <laughs> I said, okay, that's good. So I'm sure I, I'm sure I, I don't know how many people were listening, but, uh, uh, you know, and early in the, in the, in the 20 years, the first few years, I would say things occasionally and 
Bob would kind of kick me under the table. <laughs> I'd have a few bruises on my shin. You can't say that, you know. But uh, nothing really bad stands out. Most most everything is is really positive. It, it's been it's been a lot of fun and uh, met a lot, met a lot of great people, and it's a great way to stay close to the game. Where did money come from? Well, I've been, I've been asked that a time or two. Uh, we had a player on our team my junior year and senior year name his name was terry glenn and he was a walk-on and he was a pretty good player he's small but he would shoot the ball and when you're playing against him he'd shoot it and he'd save money to himself uh-huh. when he knew it was going in and i don't know i just thought it was kind of unique and so chris lofton yep. was making all these long three-pointers and I couldn't tell if they were going in, but most of the time with him, it was going to be close or it was going to go in. So that's what I, I started saying money when he'd make those long three-pointers. And Juwan Smith was another player on that team. They really opened things up with the three-pointers. So that, so it'd be, a, it'd be a combination of Terry Glenn is the first person I heard him, but, but Chris Loft is probably most responsible because it, it just – and people, people like it, seem to like it, and they sure. ask me about it all the time. and. I used to take my son to a lot of games with me, and people call him Little Money, <laughs> and he'd get a kick out of it. But it's fun, and I've had people at times say, uh, "You know, you didn't say money enough last night." So, well, I mean, we they know, weren't we, falling. Yeah, we didn't have any money. You know, you're not going to say it on a layup. That's funny. Well, uh, is that something I, I'd imagine people you you probably get recognized? I mean, you're on the radio, but people know who you are around town. I would imagine uh, people just come out of, out of the blue, money and you got to turn around. You're you're buying bread at the grocery store or something. You got to turn around and uh, and and shake a hand or two. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, people do. People recognize my voice from time to time. In fact, at lunch today, a guy that, that I went to high school with, who was sitting close to me, a fellow named Frank Goddard, he came over and said he 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 didn't rec- recognize me and I didn't recognize him. It's been years since we've seen each other. Well, he went to Bearden. And he said, "I heard you talking over here, and I could tell that was you." <laughs> so I got—I guess I got a, uh, a, a somewhat yeah. of a unique voice. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's exciting, and, and I think that—and I learned this from my father: if you're going to be good at something, you need to be enthusiastic, no matter what it is. And nobody really responds to somebody who's just monotone and doesn't really doesn't really have any passion yeah. for it. So. I guess I got passion for it for the basketball because I get excited and I've had times when I felt like jumping over the table, running out on the court to high five a player. But it's it's you know it's been a lot of fun and it and it, it is exciting at times. So you, I mean, you there's definitely a fan in you when you're when you're sitting there and and you're watching you know Tennessee claw back in the game with yeah. with Purdue uh, in the in the Sweet Sixteen or you know where. Or, almost blowing the previous game to Iowa after yeah. jumping out to the big lead. I mean, it's got a um, – you're out there sweating bullets with right beside the coach, basically. Right, feeling the, feeling the pressure, really, and watching. And, and it, it's fun, too. I don't go to a lot of practices, but I, I generally would know what Tennessee's trying to accomplish okay. game plan-wise. Uh, and I usually get a couple of keys. I'll ask one of the assistants or, or Coach Barnes, what you know, where are the keys for tonight. But it's interesting to see how that plays out. You know, if Tennessee, if a key for them is is to to keep the other team from getting offensive rebounds, uh, or 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 half court defense, or we got to cut off a certain player. It's interesting to me to see were they able to do that? Were they able to execute? And in fact, was that the key to winning the game? It was their strategy. Mm-hmm in line with, with and of course it, it typically is uh and a lot of times it's obvious what you got to do to win but there's but really at this level there's the obvious then there's a lot of things that are subtle that that affect the game uh you may want to push your push a team to the left because they like to start their offense on the right well it doesn't look like a big deal but if you're a right-handed team and, and you're used to mm. running the plays on one side of the floor and you make everybody go left it, it throws them out of gets it gets you out of sync and so it's a subtle thing but uh, i, I kind of like to watch that that kind of thing develop but we've seen so many different coaches and so many different styles here at ut through the years and i just remember as a fan when when coach pearl uh left or, or was forced out whatever whatever you want to call it um just being 
so disappointed that you know again yeah. I, I grew up watching you know Wade Houston Kevin O'Neill late DeVoe era and finally we had this basketball coach and the kind of program that folks around here had always dreamed of having and to see it taken away so quickly was so disappointing and I think there was just a feeling of you know, nothing against coach Martin or coach Tyndall or even coach Barnes when he first got here those first two years were a little bit rough but it was just like man you know are we ever going to be good again? And yeah. to, to have it come back and, and look like it's it's pretty stable here uh, for, for the foreseeable future is, is so exciting. Um, what, what are your thoughts of just riding that roller coaster of, of different coaches and different styles as a fan as well? Well, it, it's difficult when you have to change coaches. There's no doubt about it. And, and Bruce was here. He did a phenomenal job. I think he was here six years. And everybody thought he's going to be here 15 years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or or he's going to get a job at a bigger school. He's going to get an opportunity to go to you know UCLA or something because mm-hmm. you know he he just did a tremendous job here. And when he left, you're right, it kind of took the wind out of our sails. And then you got to pick the pick the next coach, and it was really difficult. Conzo was a great guy, but it was it, I'm not sure he was a fit, but he. Um, he he falls in behind Pearl, and and that was kind of that was kind of tough because people people were upset that that he was gone, and some people didn't think he should be gone, mm-hmm. and everybody's got their opinion. But uh, it it was a tough situation for Conzo. But then you change coaches a couple times, and it's it's just it, you, you basically start over. But unlike football, basketball, you can get back on track a lot quicker. If you've got the right coach, then you got to get the right players. But a, but a, but two or three players, or certainly one or two recruiting classes, can turn the team, turn the tables, and turn the team around. You get the right guys. And Coach Barnes, he had to live with what was here when he got here, and he had a few good players, but but they were you know they were a couple junior college players, and they weren't really his players. And then he brought in Grant and Bone. And that, you know, Admiral was already here, basically, yep. he, or he'd already signed with with Tyndall. But uh, but Admiral, he was one, and then Kyle Alexander, and so uh, Coach Barnes got a bunch of guys that he recruited, and he developed them. And that that's the thing that excites me. When I'm sitting there watching them just the other day, and if you look at these this new group that he's got this year, and you and you and you gauge them against Grant and those guys when they first got here, these guys are way better. Yeah, is freshmen, so they're starting at a higher level, and if they improve as much as Grant and Admiral and Jordan and those guys improved, we're going to be really, we're going to have a really good team. And he's got another really good recruiting yeah. class coming in next year, and if he gets this point guard uh, Springer, that may be the best recruiting class Tennessee's ever had. I mean, because mm-hmm. the kid from Middle Tennessee's a five star, Springer's a five star, and the other guy they signs a four star, and they're after a couple more, so. Coach Barnes is starting to get a higher-rated higher player in here. No doubt, yeah. But the key is he coaches them hard, and he works them hard, and he makes them better. And I think that's why kids want to come here. They see Grant Williams had, had some Ivy League offers, and that's it. He goes to Tennessee, and they turn him into SEC Player of the Year back-to-back, and he's first-team All-American, and he comes out and gets drafted in the first round. Well, if I go do what he did, can I do the same thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty good uh, – it's a pretty good story to tell yeah. recruits. It, it strikes me as something that's special about Coach Barnes is, and, and you're at practice, so you know how hard he is yeah. on the players. And there's a, um, I guess, a stereotype of the modern athlete, of, you know, being uncoachable or something. But uh, the kids seem to gravitate to Coach Barnes and want to be coached hard. I think. Well, I think he's pretty upfront with them because the last thing you want is a kid to come and then leave especially a really good player because he because he, he's not a fit. Mm-hmm. And I think coach Barnes tells these these young men, "Hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get you're going to get his first class. You're going to get treated, you're going to have great opportunity for to for to get, you know, go to a great school academically. It, Knoxville's a nice town, but I'm going to be tough on you. I'm going to I'm going to get you in shape. You're going to lose weight or get bigger, whatever the case may be, and and you're going to and you're going to have to commit yourself to being in the gym. And commit yourself to being a better basketball player. And if you follow our lead and do what we say, you will get there. But it ain't going to be easy. So if you get your feelings hurt because you get yelled at, then this is the place for you. 
And I think he pretty much tells them that. And, and he allow. I, I don't know what the rules are, but recruits can – where you get the knowledge, a recruit gets the, gets the real lay of the land from the existing players. Yeah. What's he like? Well, Coach Barnes loves those players. Yeah. And he treats them, treats them well. He's fair, but he's hard on them. And he, he's demanding. And that's the only way to be if you want to win. I think this business about getting along with the players – and, and and all this, but being friends with your players, that's the beginning of the end. You know, you got to coach. You got to, you got to, they, when you walk in the room, they got to be a little bit scared what kind of mm-hmm. mood you're in today. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they got to respect you. And they got to respect you. If they like you, great, but they got to respect you. And then when you, when they leave, they look back and say, man, I learned a lot from him. Cause, and I felt that way about Coach DeVoe. I mean, he was hard on us, extremely hard. And he would pick on certain guys. But you knew he, he, he cared about you and he was doing it for a reason. And then later on down the road, you know, you, you appreciate that. How worried were you when it looked like Coach Barnes was – well, it didn't look like he was talking to, yeah. to UCLA. They came hard after him. And it, it sounds like he uh, very seriously considered leaving. And Tennessee was once again about to enter into the uncertainty of another basketball coaching search. Well, that was that was scary. That was scary for sure. And of course, I didn't. I wasn't talking to Rick during all that. I, mean, I talked to him, you know, pretty frequently, especially during the season. And he'll talk to you about anything. But I, you know, I um, I had my fingers crossed, and I, I just had a feeling Tennessee was going to do what they needed to do to keep him. There's just too many reasons not to. I mean, if if, if you just got to take care of a guy like that, and uh, and I feel I feel like they did do that, and it would have been a major mistake to let him go. Frankly, I was surprised that he was interested in going to UCLA. Just knowing him and knowing his wife Candy and the type of people they are, I just didn't see it as a fit. But UCLA is UCLA, and uh, uh, I think he uh, saw it as a challenge and. I'm glad I'm glad we got past that. And now he's here. He's got a long-term contract he's happy with. And so I think we got we got we got a good program and a lot of fun to look forward to the next few years. It's amazing to to look at where we are now here in Knoxville and you know it's always been a football school and and hopefully we get football fixed eventually but people now are jokingly referring to Tennessee as a basketball school half jokingly I mean it kind of looks like at least for the foreseeable future that that that's kind of the way it is what do you think the the ceiling is here with with coach Barnes is he the guy that can can finally break down that door and and, and take Tennessee to a, a final four someday oh yeah yeah I thought we had a great chance last year and I frankly I thought we got a bad we got some bad calls at the end of that Purdue game. Mm-hmm. We should have played better. We should have defended that that guy that got hot, Ryan Klein. We didn't do a good job defending him, and he made all those threes. But uh, we had a good enough team last year, for sure, to be in the Final Four. But I think Coach Barnes, he, he can definitely get us there. He certainly can coach up the players. He's coaching. He's right there with the best. And now he's starting to get better talent. And I there's no doubt uh, it's hard to go to the final four, but, uh, but he can, he can certainly do it. And uh, I think he will do it. And it looks like the formula might, uh, I don't want to say change, but adjust a little bit. You mentioned uh, Springer and some of the guys that they're recruiting, you know, it, they did it last year with a bunch of three and four year players as kind of the core of the team. And um, you know, it, if these guys are as good as they're cracked up to be, uh, you might not, you, you might see some one-and-done or two-and-done type yeah. players come through here. Well, it, it's inevitable if you get the right guys, the, the top guys. Some of them are going to be good enough to come out. That's just the way it is. Um, uh, but you still want to get those guys if you can. And uh, I think the, these rules may adjust a little bit. I'm not sure the one-and-done thing. Uh, but uh, if, if a player is going to stay – if they stay a year, they're going to get a lot better. If they stay two – and three, they're mm-hmm. going to get a whole lot better. And I think I have a lot better chance of making it in the NBA. And I'd like to see more players think that way. Because the NBA really, uh, they draft these guys off potential. How how big they are, what's their wingspan, how quick, and, and all that kind of thing. A lot of them don't know how to play. They You know, they've, they've had a freshman year. They might not have even started on their team as a freshman. But they got this potential and they get picked. But um, – 
but but you're going to have guys come and go and we one that comes to mind Tobias Harris was one and done mm -hmm. well and it's worked out for him I mean he's great got a huge contract turned out to be a great NBA player but it doesn't work out for a lot of them and I'm hoping the, the players we get will stay because that's really what it's all about is developing that chemistry and that team and that's what our guys had the last couple of years they they've been through the wars together. They had that. They knew where their teammates were going to be. They they knew they had each other's backs, and there was no unselfish. They were all unselfish. There was there was nobody that uh, that um, caused problems on the team. And if you do, I think it, the players they get high quality kids with character. They kind of weed out if you got anybody any bad actors. Which we, I don't think Coach Barnes and his staff are going to recruit questionable characters. Yeah, I, I read uh, a quote from Jerry West, and this is like this is like 10, 15, maybe even 20 years ago, and he was talking about the NBA, and it had he said it, it used to be a polished league. You came into the league and you could play, yeah. and now it's become a teaching league. And that was, like I said, you know, maybe 20 years ago, and, uh, you know, that's even before the, the G League and everything, which you would think that's where you would go to develop, but uh, the, the game has just changed so much and um but that's one thing that it seems like coach barnes really harps on more so than a lot of other college coaches is that development and you know if you stay for three or four years you're going to come out a polished player yeah you're going to be a lot better player and one thing that he works on that that, that i haven't seen coaches tennessee coaches in particular spend a lot of time on or shooting he he changes yeah. guys shots the kevin punter thing yeah. a couple kevin of years punter ago yeah. was a prime example uh, but he you never makes, hear of that. The guys just breaking down a shot, or it doesn't seem like it. They, well, I think they do some of that when they get to the pros. But it, you know, they everything is so, uh, you know, it's so it's such a habit, a bad habit. Yeah. It's really hard to break. And there's so many players that can't shoot. <laughs> well, you know, back when I was playing, you know, everybody could shoot. You had to be able to shoot. Maybe if you were six ten, you might not. It might not matter. But you didn't have any guards that couldn't shoot. And Coach Barnes gets over there and works with them and works on their, their, their fundamentals and their form. And you can see it. You can see the percentages go up. But uh, that hard work, is, it, can't be, it can't be overestimated. I mean, it, it, it is just – it's amazing how hard those guys worked. And Grant and Admiral and Bone, and when you have your best players as your hardest workers, then everybody else falls in line and everybody gets better. And I guess uh, the the other big college basketball issue heading into the season is the the endorsement deals, name, image, likeness, and it, it certainly seems like the toothpaste is out of the tube on that one, and, and that's the way it's going to be heading. You might be in a unique position to comment on this being in, in both basketball and business. Do you think that's something that – and, and I just can't imagine uh, Rick Barnes how he's going to handle with, uh, uh, Coach, i got to go shoot a commercial uh, this <laughs> afternoon. Uh, but, you know, it's, it sounds like it's, it's going to happen. And I, I think it's going to happen. I think you're right. Uh, the, the horse is out of the barn. and <laughs> I, I think the, it's, the pressure's on the NCAA to come up with a way mm -hmm. to regulate it. I, I, I see no problem with players benefiting coming out to a car dealership and doing autographs, things like that. But if they don't have some pretty strict rules and some well-thought-out rules, it could be – it seems like it, there's a lot of room for abuse in that. But um, the NCAA, I don't, it's hard to predict what they're going to do. You know, are they going to bow up and fight it? I don't see how they can. All these states are falling, and everybody seems to want it sooner than later. And there's a lot of pressure from uh, a lot of the big-time coaches have come out in favor of it. Uh, so the game needs to be cleaned up. And if this is part of helping do that and making it better and sharing the, sharing the wealth with some of the players – uh, I'm I'm all for it, but there needs to be degrees of that. I think. Well, and you know, and kind of wrapping up here, it, it seems like that so many people want to talk about Tennessee basketball having some bad luck in the past. It strikes me as we're pretty lucky to have Coach Barnes during this period when when everything happened with uh, with the FBI investigation that's ensnared yeah. a dozen or so major college basketball programs that that seems like the thing that uh, Tennessee might have found itself right in the middle of uh and I'm not not saying that any other coaches might but just 
given the you know past luck, you have Rick Barnes as your coach, you're probably not going to you, yeah. that's something you don't have to worry about. Yeah, if you're the president of the university, your chancellor, the AD, all these people that, that run the school in the in, in FBI starts snooping around college <laughs> basketball, you got no problems if you got Rick Barnes as your coach. No. Simple as that. Well, uh, 20 years, you said you, th- you were just going to do it for a year or two, and, and here we are 20 years down the road. Well, I, I, I was telling my wife, she goes, how much longer are you going to do this? And our kids are grown, or, you know, they're basically grown. They don't live at home anymore. Uh-huh. So it's just she and I, and uh, I said, I don't know, you know. And she, she said, well, I don't really care. I mean, I don't mind, you know, if you do it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I've got this phobia that if I quit, they're going to go to the Final Four yeah. next year. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I'm wanting. I want to go to the Final Four. And, Wait, would uh, you? Would you? Uh, would you pull a John Ward? He, he walked away after a national championship in '98. Would Would that be a, a good jumping off point? It might, it, it might very well be a good jumping off point. And uh, I, but it's still fun, and I still, uh, you know, Bob's a great friend of mine. I really enjoy him, and and I and I enjoy the. Uh, it's not work to me. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And uh, people are probably tired of hearing me, so maybe they put me out of my misery. But uh, I just – and, and when things are being done the right way, like they are right now at Tennessee, it makes it even more fun. So it's, it's fun to support them and, and be, be a small part of it. Do you have a favorite road trip, a favorite place that you enjoy going in the – whether it's the SEC or in the country? Well, I – it, it's kind of changed through the years. Back when uh, when Bruce was here, it was Florida. I used to love to go to Florida, and and Bill, Billy Donovan was down there. They camp the students would camp out. They had a relatively small arena, twelve thirteen thousand, the O Dome, and they were rabid. And they had great teams. They won the back to back championships, and we got a lot of great wins both here and down at Florida. So I used to I used to enjoy going there. That was one of my favorite pictures from this past year. I don't know if you saw it where uh, after Tennessee won down there, Hell the players yeah. are doing the chomp, and there's a, a picture that's taken. It must have been from the opposite sideline, and all you see are – all these angry Florida fans uh, cursing and flipping <laughs> off the players, I'm sure. But there's Bert in the front, and everybody else is stoically on the front row. And the, there's Bert Burlkamp with a smile 10 feet wide <laughs> in the front row. Great picture. Yeah, yeah. And, and the players were right in front uh, of us. And the students sit right behind uh-huh. where Bob and I do the games from. And they are – A little salty. They're gra- yeah, they're salty. <laughs> they're great fans. Yeah. I mean, they're enthusiastic. And, and Florida's done a smart thing. They give them those midcourt sure. seats all on the sideline, first come, first serve. So they're in there early. And we come walking out way before the game, you know, way before the game, but two hours before the game. And those, those students are, are already in the stands. And well, the players haven't come out yet, so Bob and I come out and, you know, various people trickle in. Well, they start abusing us. There's no players to abuse. <laughs> so they're yelling at, you know, yelling at me, and they know your name. And, like, where'd you get that ugly tie? That's orange tie. That's, that looks like some, you know, and they're, they're harassing you, <laughs> saying stuff like, well, um, got to have thick I, skin. Huh? I hope you're better on the radio than you were as a player because you suck as oh. a player. <laughs> and, and you're like, you, you weren't even born. I mean, but, but, they're, but, but they love their team, and I, and, and I just always get a kick out of it. And then the players come out. And they're just shooting, getting loose before the game, and of course they, the pressure comes off us. It goes on to the players. But uh, I used to, and I always enjoy going to Lexington. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a lot of success up there. We've won a few times. Back in my day, we won twice up there, uh, and so it's it's exciting to go on the road in a hostile environment and win. It's it's really there's really no better feeling than that. There, did you go to Fog Allen? Is, are there any other yeah, bucket yeah. bucket list places you want to go to? Yeah, we went there. Uh, we're going there this year. Uh-huh. We went there back. I think Bruce was the coach. We we, so. we went out there and played at a home and home with Kansas yeah. and played them here, beat them here. They beat us out there. Uh, of course, I've been to Madison Square Garden a few times to the NIT. Uh, we're going up to uh, Cincinnati this year. It's a lot of fun to go to these basketball places. We're going to Toronto. For the mm-hmm. to play Washington, and that'll be I'm sure that'll be fun. But I've been in a lot of great arenas. Uh, the uh, Butler was it? Hinkle? Oh yeah, Hinkle Fieldhouse. Hinkle Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's cool. Uh, so 
you know, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Big Ten schools, ACC schools, and, and looking at other people's traditions. But uh, it's it's just fun to it's fun to compete at a high level. And if I don't know if you've looked at this year's schedule, but it's it's a monster, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see how these guys do. No doubt. Well, we look forward to hearing you on the call, Bert. Thanks. Uh, you've been very generous with your time, and uh, you had a. Certainly a lot of color to the to the broadcast, and I know Tennessee fans look forward to hearing you with Bob Kessling for many years to come. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. All right, thank you. All right, folks, there you have it. Tennessee basketball color analyst Bert Bertelkamp. Appreciate him taking the time to do it. And as always, I appreciate all of you for listening. Don't forget, you can support the production of this podcast and future episodes by throwing a few bucks in the tip jar. All you got to do is log on to anchor.fm, search for the Russell Smith podcast, and click on the support this podcast button. Your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. Until next time, Russell Smith here signing off. Y'all be good.